You're listening to Experts in Their Field, a podcast from the Agricultural Science Association. My name is Tommy Boland. I'm president of the Agricultural Science Association. In this episode, I'm joined by Professor Demet Ruan, the recipient of the 2022 Agricultural Science Association Distinguished Member Award. Dermot is going to talk us through his career in UCD, supporting the agri-science sector, the various roles he has held, the development and his contribution to the development of agricultural science education in Dublin and nationally, and also the importance he places on the Agricultural Science Association. On behalf of the Agricultural Science Association, I thank Dermot for his contribution to the podcast. You're very welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Tommy. Dermot, I might just start uh, by taking you back to your to your upbringing and your, your background. And I suppose what initially prompted your interest in agricultural science as you're, you're a graduate from UCD? I am, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm the eldest of seven and my late father was an agricultural graduate and my mother was a domestic science graduate. And my father worked as a, a teacher in uh, two schools in different parts of the country, in County Roscommon and County Louth. He subsequently became an ag advisor, and later he became uh, an, a potato inspector in, in northern Donegal, where we lived. Subsequent to that, he became a superintendent of Agricultural College in Athen Rye, and then he became a, a, an inspector, but mostly working in uh, certification of Irish pig breeder pig breeds and development development of progeny testing in Ireland in both Cork and in Ballyhays. So I did agriculture really because it was the only thing I knew best uh, because I had seen him operate it and I kind of liked what I saw in terms of the variety of the job and the opportunities that existed within the job at that time. My mother was a journalist as well as being a domestic science teacher in an earlier stage. But she was, uh, she had seven children, so she was very busy at home in the subsequent years after they married. So science and agriculture are very much in your homestead and at, 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 and in your background and at the core of kind of what, what you grew up with. They are. And I suppose, Darren, if we fast forward into to the present day, every morning when I'm walking to and from my office in Belfield, I pass uh, at the, through the corridor, which has the history of ag science within UCD kind of really, really well displayed. And, you know, that was one of your projects here. Yes, it was, Tommy. Uh, quite surprisingly for me, I got a call from Jerry Boyle's office in Chagask to ask whether or not the college might participate in a project that they had, uh, that they were developing down in Athen Rye for 2016, commemorating the 1916 rising and all the activities that would go with that. So uh, these, these uh, celebrations had to do with the de- decade of the centenaries. So I put them in touch with uh, Alex Evans, who agreed that we should, in fact, uh, become involved in this project. Dermot, I think through that process, um, you know, I certainly learned a lot about the history of, of, of ag within within UCD and nationally. And, you know, from, from chatting to you over the years, well, there's been a huge amount of change uh, within UCD in terms of how agriculture is delivered. We're sitting in the school boardroom here today. I remember when I started on staff. Part of this school boardroom was my office and another part was your office. So things are always changing here. And, you know, you could, might reflect on some of those changes you've experienced in your career. Oh, there, there have been massive changes. I mean, I came into ag science in the 1960s, graduating as a student in 19, as a graduate in 1966. 
and uh, the the impacts that we experienced from from the the den staff, all of whom, many of whom had been trained in the United States, uh, had done their higher degrees over there and became our teachers and our lecturers, and subsequently our supervisors. Um, Ag, ag, ag science really has evolved from 1926 within UCD, and I suppose it went through a very static period in the period between 26 and about 1950. But in 1950, there was a general uplift uh, planned for the development of agricultural research and agricultural teaching. And uh, they used the they used a guy called Carrigan, who came from Vermont University, and he was an important uh, individual in the in the in driving that change with the governments of the day, so that by 1960 the uh, changes were pretty well in place uh, in agricultural science. On uh, Forest Lunches was set up in 1958, and uh, 19, by 1958-59 we had a major reorganisation within UCD in the under on the in the undergraduate and postgraduate degree programs. And just looking at some of the names there of the people who are synonymous with agriculture in UCD and nationally. And- these people were your contemporaries and your, so in some cases your, your, your supervisor and, and your colleagues. You know, they're really some of the go-to names we, we, we would recognise in the industry. Oh yes, that's absolutely correct, Tommy. There was a, a Kellogg programme uh, available for going to the United States, but there was also research assistantships available also at that time in the United States for people who wanted to do PhDs or, or, ma- or indeed Masters. Now, many people like Pat Caffrey and Miles Rath went off on uh, Kellogg programs uh, with other supports, of course, as well for their programs, while people like Dennis Kelleher and Seamus Sheehy, to the best of my knowledge, were in the States earlier and they did their PhDs through the research assistantship method. So there were many students after that that were on these programs for a number of years. And the Kellogg program itself was available to people in the Department of Agriculture as well as in Enforced Lontish, and both um, bodies used these uh, programs for training some of their staff. Well, a very large number of them trained in the United States during the 1960s, 50s and 60s, and actually into the 1970s. After that, UCD became, UCD School of Ag became more proficient in running their own PhD programs and they and were brought up to that international standard that was received by these earlier uh, uh, people who travelled abroad to do their higher degrees. You've listed a range of individuals there, Dermot, who are really kind of key personalities and key names from the industry, people I would very much identify with over my time. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of very good people here in UCD that I've met in, in, in my time here, and they're people like Pat Caffrey, Miles Rath, um, Shemi Sheehy, Paddy Brennan, many of them who, who sadly are now deceased. But um, right through to the right through my entire career, from my time in Lyons to my time in Belfield, uh, I met good people everywhere I went, and hugely committed to what they're doing. But I've met them in in Enforced Luntish, and I've met them in Chagask as well. We're very lucky that we have the caliber of people in the industry that we have, and of course they're formed and. Uh, and developed, uh, they have been formed and developed in the UCD system. And is it fair to say, Dermot, when 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 those initial, I suppose, cohort of of of, of people who became academic staff travelled to the to the states predominantly to 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 achieve the higher degree, that when they returned to the university and returned to the Ireland ag food sector, that their influence was 
transformation in terms of how we're doing things here? Is that too much to say? I wouldn't think it's too much to say. I think that uh, that's true. Um, ag science graduates who came back from the United States went into industry and banking. They went into academia in here in UCD and uh, one or two in Galway and other places in Cork. Uh, Cork had, had a program, uh, were operating a program as well. And uh, of course, on Forest the Luntish received a lot of those graduates and actually tra- had some of them sent out themselves to train in the United States with uh, PhDs and also to the UK. Uh, quite a few went to the UK, to universities in the UK as well. I think I suppose it's a great reflection of, of, of how the sector has evolved nationally that now we're recognised as having a really strong national undergraduate, postgraduate uh, research and, and knowledge transfer regime within the agri-food sector here. Yes, we do. And, you know, when I think back on it from the stuff I've been reading in recent years, you know, you could say that it goes back to Whitaker and the economic development programs of the 1960s. And they cha- all these big changes initially took place probably in the last years and subsequently in the 1970s. So, you know, the impact of ag science grads in agriculture, right through agriculture, through banking, through through advisory through private advisory, through ag science graduates operating within companies, providing uh, corporate advice to farmers and to others, uh, has been quite significant over decades. It's changing, though. It continues to change. It changed in the 80s and the 90s and subsequently. And something you've made reference to on, on a couple of occasions already, there, but it's just, I suppose, the broad employability of ag science graduates and, and the fact that they end up in a number of different, different career paths. You know, what would you put that... Um, I suppose, adaptability down to? Well, I think the ag science degree in, that they took initially offered one major thing, and that is uh, it offers you strong science as, as your background. After that, then, what I think a lot of these guys did, uh, and some women did, was get a second skill that they could attach to ag, to attach to ag science, which gave them mobility into other, into other industries. The fact, though, that they had a strong science background, I think, is crucial and, and a very good reason for doing ag uh, if you are also interested in something else. And, you know, that's probably a mantra, looking at it from the outside at least, that you followed in your own career as well. You've added new skills, you've shown adaptability. And I believe you started off, your initial postgraduate training was in was in pig nutrition or in the area of pig management. It was. Uh, I, I started off in in, um, in animal nutrition. I did a master's and, uh, and a PhD in animal nutrition, working with pigs in particular. And uh, subsequent to that, then, I also recognized the the strengths of that as far as remaining in the university was concerned. But I also saw that for the kind of choices that I wanted to make, that I, I needed to, to acquire a second skill. So I I, uh, I booked in for an MBA program, which is in, in what's now called the Smurfit School. It wasn't then. And I completed an MBA in the mid-70s. Um, and that served me quite well. And following on from the MBA, then you you came on to staff within the university in, in a couple of roles, I suppose, initially, or the role changed in your early years? Oh, yeah. Well, the UCD went through a lot of iterations in my lifetime. And, of course, it's it's as Harold Macmillan used to say, what changes directions of your careers periodically, and it's events, dear boy, events. Uh, that's the reality. And we had a lot of changes here. Quite rightly, we needed the changes. And that affected the particular directions I took. But it served my interests as well in another way, in that I got to do a whole range of different things that otherwise I wouldn't have had a chance to do. 
I was for a period the farm manager of, of Lions Estate before it when it was at its, at its maximum size. And I also ran individual programs within the within the, the faculty as well, the PWE program in the 1980s, among other things. We might we might come back to the PWE program in, in, in a few moments, David, but I suppose as you evolve through your own career, um, you also recognize the importance of travel and international engagement. And you you, you yourself spent uh, two periods in the States, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. In the, in the 1980s, uh, uh, we went to, uh, went to the University of Minnesota, where I spent uh, a year uh, really t- doing two things, doing research and also updating myself on on the most recent, uh, at that time, most recent management pract- farm management practices. And got and I got major exposure to to the um, agri software industry, and in particular the role of uh, programs such as FinPAC and uh, and also uh, this the suite of programs that go with FinPAC. FinPAC was a was a far, was a major farm budgeting and farm management program, and at that time it was out with the farmers, uh, federally funded, out with the farmers in the states, and it was being done remotely to the university, but just with terminals. And subsequently, um, I was delighted to see that Chagas took on that scheme, took on that program in the nineteen six in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties, and we were able to use it in UCD in our teaching programs. So that gave the, the students here a huge amount of exposure to the latest technologies and techniques. It did, although many at the time many of them didn't appreciate it. It seemed to be something that was beyond what they felt they were capable of. But in fact, at that stage, I was working in the Department of Agribusiness. And uh, Larry Hart was doing was doing work alongside me uh, in spreadsheets and so on. So we actually had a computer applications course, which was an early driver within the within the school of uh, the, the the way the, the direction for a lot of programs apart from our own. And then during your second sabbatical period. Um, you were more focused on the rural development aspect, is that correct, than working well, I, I be- state? Yeah, that's right, Tommy. I belong to a Department of Agribusiness and Rural Development, and I saw a tremendous amount of scope in rural development uh, that could be tied in with the agribusiness programs, at least that's the way I saw it. Everybody wouldn't have necessarily seen it the same way. So I did work very closely with, with people in rural development for many years, in particular Jim Phelan. And uh, and uh, I spent my second sabbatical then in, on a rural development project at the University of Minnesota and Penn State University in Southeast Pennsylvania. And Dermot, you mentioned earlier your involvement in the professional work experience program, and I think that, you know we would recognise that in UC as being a really crucial part of our undergraduate offerings. And for maybe any listener who's not aware, that's where our students spend time as part of their undergraduate degree program, working in industry or working on farms to get practical skills where they apply their theoretical knowledge. And you've kind of driven the development of that program, at least in my time in, in UCD. Um, you know, can you just outline the importance you see in the PWE program? And you know, some of the uh, kind of um, some of the improvements you have made to that program over the years. Well, the practical in my time in college in the nineteen sixties, uh, we had a thing called the practical year, and because I was brought up in my teenage years in the Dublin area with, with minimal exposure to farms, I ended up doing a full practical year, as did quite a number of other students in my in my year. But in the recent uh, work I've been doing, I have noticed that the practical year is actually in existence in agriculture in some form or another, uh, going back to 1901, although it was tied in with the programs in the Albert College in 1901. 
Well, in the 19, through the 1960s, through the 1960s and 70s and 80s, the practical year was really done as an extra year outside the university by students making their own arrangements, but under the broad supervision of a member of the academic staff. And I was doing that work for quite a while. But later, the faculty decided that they should incorporate that, raise the game, as it were, incorporate that into the academic program. And they matched the academic, uh, their, their practical experience that was going to be required with the particular programs they do. And uh, so you have programs of different uh, durations, depending upon the specialty that you're in. I ended up being the coordinator of that program for a number of years. And the college were uh, decided that they were going to regularize this in a much more formal way and set up a contractual system uh, between farmers and the university. And I ended up heading that uh, program for a number of years in UCD um, to try. And that raised the bar significantly, formalized the course very fully and involved more of the academic staff in the PWE program than would have been heretofore the case. And it maybe reflected a change in society at the time as well, where issues around health and safety were becoming much more to the fore. And, you know, the security and safety of our students on farms was absolutely critical. Well, that's absolutely right. And uh, that's one of the things that when I took on the job uh, alongside my lecturing position, uh, that I um, insisted in my mind, I was working with Jim Phelan, who was the dean at the time, and he agreed with me, because Jim had already set up an elective in health and safety. But... The risks that students and the university were incurring uh, meant that we needed to put in a core course into the program, which we did, and made it mandatory for students to pass it. So they got some significant exposure to health and safety risks on farms, in industry and otherwise. And to move outside UCD then for a moment, Dermot, you're, you're synonymous with, with the Agricultural Science Association. You're, you're the recent recipient of the Distinguished Member Award, which was uh, thoroughly and, and highly deserved. You're also a, a previous president or a past president of the association. And I suppose what many of our listeners or many, many of our members may not know that you, know, you do a huge amount of work in the background supporting the activities of the ESA, particularly around, I suppose, issues relating to the Constitution and, and delivering benefits for members. So can you just talk us through your involvement with ASA over the years and the importance you, you associate with the organisation? Uh, I will, Tommy, of course. Um, I, I, I was I a member of the ASA really in two periods. There was a period I, I was in at the early stages uh, of my career. And for one reason or another, I kind of fell away from it because I was, in my own mind, busy doing something, doing many other different things. But I came back into it again then in the in the uh, early no in the early noughties. And the reason I came back into it was uh, I began to realize more fully, greater than ever, of the importance of having a professional group um, recognized. Rec- recognized and working with the graduates of that profession. I saw it going on through my MBA period. I saw it going on in accounting. I saw it going on in in operations. I saw it going on in HR. I saw it going on in a whole range of areas. And I felt that the ESA, while it was doing the job, it was was maybe, it was weaker in agriculture than in in many other areas. So I came into it then, got on the council and became the president subsequently. And uh, and I still continue to work with ASA when when asked. But I I don't work alone. I work with others like Frank Crosby and various other people. And 
we're really trying to continue to professionalize the organization since certainly uh, since my time joining, rejoining it again. And how would you have seen the organization evolving in that in that period? I think it's become more professional and that's quite right. I think we've got um, uh, we've got rules. We've got tight rules and regulations about about who can be members and who can't be. We're very open and inclusive of people because we have an associate membership system as well. So the, uh, what we probably need to continue to do is to grow, the more influential the organization will become. And the organization, because every other profession are doing this in, in, and in some way still in a much stronger fashion than perhaps we are in, in agriculture. But uh, we have made leaps and bounds in the last, uh, certainly the last decade and a half to two decades. And I think that's a really important point in at an industry level, if you look at the challenges we're facing, there's always challenges facing any industry, but it seems each year we're faced with a new challenge, and particularly around the sustainability aspect of agriculture, whether that's from an environmental perspective, an economic perspective, or a social perspective. And the continuing education of members is hugely important. It is. And and uh, I'm delighted to see the ASA are doing that more than ever. Our finances are in a better place than they were when I when I joined. Well, it's not down to me, but it's down to others as well. Uh, we, we, we improved the finances very significantly, uh, certainly from my time. But um, the other part of that is the recognition of the importance of our industry and its sustainability. But we need to get that message out there through the media in a more uh, positive and succinct way than we have been doing. And we have been quite good up to now, but I think we have still a long way to go to get our story fully told and fully explained to the community. It's interesting to me to see that there's a lot of other uh, professions now taking an interest in food and in ag, uh, particularly on the high tech side, so that agriculture itself is changing very significantly. And our graduates need to be on top of that. One of the ways of doing that is by being a member of a professional organization. I think that leads nicely into my next and, and, and almost final question, Dermot. For current ASA members and particularly new graduates who are who are entering the industry, it, it's it's rife with challenge, but also rife with opportunity. What advice would you offer to those particularly younger graduates and, and, and newer ASA members? Well, I, I'm I'm always slow to offer anybody advice because they, they they're going to take their own advice at the end of it. But the way I see it currently is that uh, the opportunities in some ways have never been greater. Uh, in in uh, But I would, I would always keep an open mind. One of the things that I think people should do, and I didn't do it all the time, but I tried to do it some of the time, is to have a sort of a career goal in place for yourself and to know what you think you want to do yourself. You may find out that some of the things that you do are not what you're really interested in. That kind of happened to me, but you kind of morph into the areas that you can develop and, and make a significant contribution. I couldn't, uh, I would recommend, I would do it all again. Exactly the same way? I'd do some things differently, but I would do much the same thing again. Yeah, I would. Dermot, I think that's a, a fantastic note to finish up on there. Just to just to, to wrap up, having worked with you for, for a number of years at this stage, I can certainly attest to the fact that you're a huge supporter of not only the, the industry, but also your colleagues and, and your students and uh, in your time as section head and, and other roles. You've went to bat for me with the university on more than one occasion, and I think many people would have the same testament to you. So 
At this point, I, on behalf of the EAC, I'd like to wish you continued health and success to yourself and your family. And we hope to see you at many more EAC banquets and conferences over the years. Thank you, Dharma. Thanks very much, Tommy. Thank you.